Oh, that sound never gets old. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening um, to all of you. Um, thank you very much for tuning in for the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Um, today I am joined by a guy called Jack Turley. Um, now, over the last couple of years, Jack's health sort of started to deteriorate. He found himself starting to lose a lot of weight. Um, and then he found out that he had ulcerative colitis. Um, he was on a lot of a lot of medication, all that. None of it seemed to work. Um, so eventually he ended up having to um, get major surgery and and have a stoma bag put in place. Um, so it's a bit of a bit of a subject that has a bit of stigma around it and general kind of, you know, toilet talk and all this stuff. It's not maybe something that's talked about. And what I learned from this conversation is it's especially not necessarily talked about um, within, you know, men's circles as much as well. Um, which is funny because generally men find toilet talk a lot funnier than than I think women do. Um, but it was really, really interesting chat to Jack. I mean, the fact that he came on and he was so open um, and chatty about it. And I had so many questions um, and he was so great. And it was it was really, really interesting to learn more more about this and kind of talk about the mental side and, and, and you know, what that's like and how it affects your, um, your daily life. Uh, so I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, if you do enjoy it or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please... Um, subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts, give me a five-star rating. If you can follow the podcast on Spotify as well, you can follow me on at the After Hours Lounge. Um, and you can also buy me a coffee as well, so you can donate to the podcast as well, which just allows me to put more time into um, recording episodes, finding guests, you know, posting stuff on the Instagram, all that stuff. But all the support is much appreciated, guys. Uh, but anyway, on with the episode. Do please enjoy. Here we are. Hello again, guys. Here for the next episode of the After Hours Lounge uh, with myself, your host, Sandy. Um, today I'm joined by someone I've, I've never actually met this guy. Um, we actually sort of stumbled across each other on um, through my podcast Instagram page at the After Hours Lounge. Follow me, please. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of went to message this guy. Um, well, say hi, Jack, to everyone first before I... Hi, Sandy. Hi, everyone. Hey, Jack. Yeah, so we've just been chatting. We've never actually met each other. But um, weirdly, I saw Jack's Instagram and was like, oh, I, I want to message this guy. And I think he'd be a really interesting guest to have. And as I went on, you were typing and then you messaged me and said, I'd love to come on the podcast. So uh, it's great that we've managed to, to find some time to, um, to record an episode. So you said just before you're, you're waiting to open your can of Guinness, you may now open your can of Guinness. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, there's the sound. There's the sound. That's what we like. You're having a, a little bit of foam. I'm having a four a four pure four pure brewing pale ale. Another uh, a wanky craft beer, but it's delicious. It's delicious. I lost your audio there for a second, but I can see what you're showing me. I was showing you a beer, mate. I was showing you a beer. Um, so, I mean, uh, you, you know, I, one of the things, the, one of the things, well, the big thing we're going to talk about today is, um, is the fact that you, you have, what is it? Is it a stoma, a stoma bag? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. A stoma bag. A stoma bag. So you've got a bag. So initially I was like, can he, can he have a beer? Is he going to have a drink? I was like, can I have a beer? I didn't know how it works. But then, then you messaged me being like, I've got my Guinness ready. So I was like, right. Okay. Then we're, we're, we're ready to go. Um, <laughs> So I mean, I I've I mean, if if I have had friends that have got one, I I never knew about it because um, I think you know it is one of those things. That I think especially now, a lot of people tend to hide them, um, and there certainly is a stigma around it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here. So can you tell me? Um, and I I don't know you either, so this is you know just as much info for me as it is for the listeners. So tell yeah. me a little bit about yourself, um, what what it is you've got, and and how you know how how you got the the stoma bag and everything like that. I was, it was a couple of years ago. I was just losing weight really, really quickly. Uh -huh. um, I, I was going to the toilet 
a crazy amount of times a day. Yeah. It was like the worst shit she could ever imagine. <laughs> uh, um, I'd, I'd actually just got back. I was teaching over the summer because teaching is my, my day job. Okay. And uh, I, was, I was teaching over the summer in China. Yeah. So I went to the doctor. And I was like, I'm, I've lost, you know, about, I think I'd lost about five or 10 kilos at this point. What's, what's, up, what's wrong with me? He yeah. thought maybe I'd caught a bug in China, gave me some antibiotics, didn't yeah. get any better, gave me another course. Then they thought maybe it was a parasite that I'd caught. And, um, you know, I just started a job at a new school. So I was, I was taking quite a lot of time off. It's hard to teach when you go into the toilet about 15, 20 times a day. Yeah. And um, so I was sort of updating my new colleagues. Like, oh, yeah, they think it's a parasite now. And um, um, eventually had, um, you know, a procedure, colonoscopy, and they, they found that I had something called ulcerative colitis. Okay. And I'd, I'd never heard of it. Most people... I talked to have never heard of it. Yeah. But people tend to have heard of Crohn's disease. Yeah, I've heard and, of Crohn's. I've never, I, I don't think I've actually heard of the, the, the other one. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say as well. No, I don't know say it. That's why I'm just going to refer to the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Colitis is the easy way to say it. Um, but um, yeah, basically, it's, it's a bit like Crohn's, but it affects your large intestine, whereas Crohn's tends to be more small intestine and, and can kind of affect anywhere in your digestive system. Right. So eventually, I, you know, I went through all these different medications. Some of them had some crazy side effects on my body. Really? I, um, like my, my face swelled up to twice its size. I had like big man boobs. No way. Knees. Yeah, it's a bit like steroids do that kind of thing. So you're yeah, not, yeah, of course. Yeah, not anabolic steroids. They're, they're not the... Not roids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, no, so so I, like, I told someone at work that I was on them. And he was like, oh, so what's that? Like big muscles, little dick. Yeah, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, <man. laughs> no, it's it's um, it's more like big tits and sweaty face <laughs> more than anything else. Yeah, um, not sure which so, yeah. prefer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, no, so I was on them for quite a while. Didn't didn't really make me better in yeah. the long term. And eventually, once you know, I had I tried a like sort of an old form of chemotherapy called infliximab. Um, started having side effects like hair falling out and all, all that kind of all that kind of stuff, yeah. sleepless nights for like over a year. Um, and then eventually once I uh, once sort of exhausted all the medicine routes that you can try, yeah. they just cut your large intestine out of you and uh, I've got the stoma bag instead of it. Jesus. That's med so can you um can you go through the, the process of I mean, I guess is getting one of these the, the stoma bag, is that is that kind of the the last last case scenario thing do they generally tend to try everything else first or yeah yeah absolutely it, it's it's a last resort right they, um you know so i was i was sent off with some starter drugs that for a lot of people work and then i remember the consultant that gave me the steroids was like these have some nasty side effects but they work for nearly everyone yeah and then they didn't work and then you go uh, to the next drug and they're like this has even more side effects but it works for nearly everyone and then that didn't work. So it's kind of like um, they assure you at each stage that, the, that you're going to be pretty unlucky to go on to the next level. But I seem yeah. to rush through all of them quite quickly. Oh, Some people get diagnosed with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis and they can go sort of they'll get a few years success with each type of drug. Oh. And they might end up having surgery 20 years after they're diagnosed or right. something like that. Whereas I think mine was caught quite late because it was misdiagnosed. And, uh, and so by the time they, they caught it, the, the simplest thing to do was just to, you know, put me under the knife. 
So, I mean, f first of all, can you explain physically what, what, what do they actually do? Because, I mean, I've seen, you know, pictures of like they're almost, you know, there's like a hole sort of here and then you see the bag, but I don't, I don't really know what it is. Like you, you, you mentioned there, they move, remove the large intestine. How, how, how does it work, basically? So they basically cut me down my, you know, down, down the central line of my stomach. They, yeah. it, it's funny, it would be a straight line, but there's a little deviation where they go around your belly button. Yeah. And um, open you up pump a load of air inside you and and then they cut the end of your large intestine they leave your rectum behind or they did for me at least um and then so your small intestine joins the start of your large intestine right Where, but my small intestine instead of joining my large intestine it just there's a little opening stoma yeah. means opening so it's right. the little opening that comes out of my stomach and then the bag collects the poo that that, that my large intestine and rectum would have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So but, do you, uh, can I, I mean, maybe this is a weird question. Like, no, I'll ask you anything. Do you, do you go for a shit at all? Or is it literally, does the bag just do it all for you? So I empty the bag probably depending on what I'm eating. Right. Uh, like it's, it's, it's a drainable bag, you know, it's just got like a little Velcro bit that you, yeah, you yeah, tuck yeah. in. Um, and then you undo the Velcro, empty it. Um, I drain that a lot more than I would have gone to the toilet, um, you know, when I was healthy. I probably have to empty it once in the night and maybe five times throughout the day. Um, but it's quite quick. It's not like it's not like going for a, a dump. You know, nah, <laughs> um, it's still it's still uh, very much it's still very much like a still a full time job, isn't it? It's not like a, right the bag's doing it for me now. Like you still have to. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, you, you have to you have to be aware of it, um, especially like if. Like you, you mentioned that I'm back to playing tennis now. And if I've got a tennis match, I have to try and plan those for when the bag's not going to be too active. Yeah. Otherwise, it can, it can be a real nightmare. Um, and your question, do it like, do I poo? Yeah. Um, so you, I've got my rectums left behind. Yeah. And I've actually got a surgery in, what's the day today? I've got a surgery in three days to remove it. Um, yeah. So... Um, at the moment, sometimes, like, but, stuff comes out of there. Yeah. But, um, but not much. It'll just, like, your body still produces, like, a bit yeah, of fluid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, but after this next stop, I will be, I'll have an action man ass. So, um, so yeah, I won't be going to the toilet in the old-fashioned way at all anymore. Right. That's, it's, it's crazy, mate. I'm, like, I'm, I'm literally sitting here and I'm, for for the main thing is I, I can't believe just how like honest you're being about it. Like I've instantly just got so much respect for you for just doing oh, it. Shit. Like it's insane, mate, because it's such a it's such a stigmatized thing. And like, you know, we're we're kind of it is kind of lighthearted and we're kind of laughing about it because we're boys and it's so oh, funny going for a shit. Yeah. You know, and it, it is funny, but like it's such a major kind of change to your life. I mean, when you were when you were getting the you know the diagnosis and stuff obviously you know physically things were changing but how 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 did you go through that process mentally as well i mean were you like holy shit my whole life's going to change it or were you were you a bit more like kind of right it's going to make my life better it's a bit of both really yeah. um I, I i was ill for a long time i mean i explained that in a few minutes yeah but each step of being moved on to the next course of meds can take months sometimes yeah you know when i was diagnosed in November 2018, I'd already been ill for about four months. Yeah. And then 
uh, I wasn't supposed to see a doctor. They gave me the preliminary drugs and I wasn't supposed to see a doctor again for, for months, I think until March. Um, and by that time, by the time I actually got to March, I'd been, I'd been admitted to hospital twice. I'd been like really, really ill. I'd, I'd been like, um, you know, not even made it to the toilet in public sometimes when I was really right. ill. Um, it was, and you can imagine that trying to teach as well and trying to not oh, let your yeah, students yeah. realize I, I, I genuinely how ill you are. I can't think of anything. Um, but yeah, in terms of like when they offered me the badge, I, it felt very final. It, it felt like there was all these courses of meds. I'd like one of them to work for me for at least a bit. Yeah. Um, and it felt like I only got diagnosed, you know, six months ago and I'm going to be having this off already. So it was a bit of a, um, it was, it was a bit of a shock to the system how quickly it came around because yeah. I'd kind of just come to terms with, right, I've got this incurable disease. Um, I'm going to be on meds for the rest of my life. And I might at some point way in the future have to have surgery for that. Yeah. And then it kind of went from that, it went to that end point straight away. So yeah. um, uh, that was a big shock. Yeah. yeah. And like mentally though, the hardest times weren't to do with the stoma bag. They were to do with the illness. But I remember when I was on the steroids, and I literally, at my worst, kind of like January 2019, Yeah, I literally couldn't be away from a toilet for more than 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was barely eating. Um, they, I mean, it's called ulcerative colitis because you get ulcers in your colon, oh. in your large intestine. And so you're just bleeding constantly. Like, yeah. I, you know, I thought I'd, I, I must have had like colon cancer or something when I yeah, first yeah. started seeing blood every time. And then you're going, like, at the very worst, I think you know, like the, the top score for a day was something like 40 trips to the toilet. No and, way. Uh, yeah. And I just remember like, I, I, I'm in a different flat now. It's, it's quite nice. But um, yeah. the flat I was living in at the time was like pretty grim, moldy bedroom. And I remember running to the toilet on like the other side of the flat. Yeah. Not making it. Chucking another pair of pants in the bin. Oh. <laughs> and, then, um, and, then, and then like showering, going back to bed knowing that I was just going to get up and take a load of drugs that weren't even really helping me yeah. the next day. And um, that was kind of, they were my lowest moments. They were when I was like, um, you know, having, having like suicidal thoughts and thinking it's easier just to end it than to carry yeah. on with, well, with that so shit. There, I guess, you know, coming from that, like, was there a certain, was there a certain level of like relief when you were finally like, right, let's, let's, you know, let's get the bag and all that stuff because you don't have to deal with your face swelling up and your hair falling out and shitting yourself running through your flat. You know, you, yeah. was, was there a sense of that kind of, you know, I guess, you know, you, cause you, you, you wait so long to get to that, the end of the road. And now you're finally at the end of the road. You're like, Oh, well I'm, I'm fucking here now. I might as well get on with it. You know? Yeah, no, it was, Every time I was in hospital, weirdly enough, I was always in a really good mood because while you're there, you feel like you're making progress with your illness. And yeah. the hard times are when you're wait on a waiting list or trying to get through to a doctor's secretary and not, no one picks up and you're just yeah. there feeling grim. So I, once I was in hospital, knowing I was going to have the op, I was in quite a good, quite a good state of mind, really. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a better time than, than in between. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's crazy. Like, you know, all my, all my, all my friends that know me, like they always know me as like, I, I go to the toilet a lot. Um, and I always thought it was for me, I always thought it was a physical thing. Um, you know, I, I stopped eating dairy five years ago and you know, at certain, like 
Like if I know I've got to be, you know, getting up early and going traveling somewhere, I won't really eat much the next day and stuff. And, and recently I found out all mine is actually mental. It's all anxiety related and everything. And the oh, way okay. my anxiety and the way it manifests itself, it's like, right, Sandy, you need the toilet. And, you know, and it's it, it that's you know and that's the way and i've realized now and i you know i'm 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 working on like getting better at it but so this is another reason why i was just so interested to chat to you because you've got that like just times a thousand um yeah. so i mean at the when you you know before you got the bag and stuff how did you and this isn't just like me using you as therapy or anything don't think like that like i'm just i'm genuinely interested like when you say you had to like prepare and do stuff like you know are you so you are you like a school teacher then? Yeah, so I, I teach science at a secondary school. Okay, cool. So yeah, my I mean my my girlfriend, my partner, she's a primary school teacher, so I'm I'm well aware of what it's like to be a teacher or you know yeah. a teacher's partner anyway. And it seems bloody stressful, and I can't imagine having to do that job while also having to think like, you know, am I like when you were a teacher and stuff? Were you literally having to run out of the class every sort of ten minutes? Like how how did you? Um, deal with that? Well, no. So when I was at my very worst, I was off work. I was in okay. hospital. Like, you right. know, that, that period when I was on, like, you know, literally couldn't be away from a toilet for more than 20 minutes. Um, you finished. I, 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 was, I, was, yeah, I was in hospital. I wasn't in the classroom. Oh. But as I was getting worse and worse, I had to start to try and, like, plan around it a bit. Right. So teaching in China had got pretty bad. I think maybe, you know, like, the change in the environment could have triggered, the, like, the flare-up of the disease a bit. And then I... I just finished before I went to China. I just finished my teacher training, yeah. And so I was starting a new job, a new school as a qualified teacher, and um, and I basically just stopped, stopped having to eat. Um, I didn't have breakfast. I tried to have as little inside me as possible, and I was still having to dash out sometimes. Yeah. But I'm actually like really pretty well organised normally, but I'd, I'd call the disorganised teacher card and be like, "Oh, I need to get that thing yeah. from the printer and, and run out," but I'd actually be running to the loo and back. Okay. I don't think the kids ever twigged really until, you know, I started being off ill for two weeks. And then when you come back, they say, what's up? But it was, it was partially not eating, which didn't help with the weight loss. And, um, the other thing was the way my bowels work. Um, they're pretty quiet during the day. Um, and it's more active at night. So I see it with the stoma bag now. Yeah. Um, the stone bags, it's most active from maybe 4.35 p.m. through to about four in the morning, five in the morning. Oh. And so that's when it's filling up. Sometimes if I empty it when I wake up in the morning, it literally nothing comes into the bag from, say, 9 a.m. until half four, five p.m. And that same time of the day when I was ill was the time when I was having to run to the toilet at least. But then once stuff started coming through, then I was, I was just constantly constantly there yeah that affect your did that or and, and does it now like does that affect your your sleep of an evening and stuff because that must make a huge difference to well just just general health and mental health as well like do you do you find like do you sleep well um i, I mean i always wake up once in the night right. um to empty the empty the bag okay like when, when i came out of hospital my stoma team said you know if you if you eat early enough and you stop eating early enough then it should most of it go through before you go to sleep okay and um so i sort of tried having dinner at like half five and yeah. not eating anything after six which i know is quite good for your health but it just it's it not very practical with with yeah. my lifestyle like I, I do a lot of sport after work as well yeah. and if i've worked 
and then run an after school club till six and then go and play football or play tennis and I get back at nine there's no way I'm not going to eat something exactly <laughs> I'm just starving yeah. and so I eventually just decided I'll, I'll just get up at once a night and yeah it's really weird because even though there's no sensation there like you don't because it's just the bags just filling up it's not that's like another question there's another question yeah. I had yeah yeah yeah, there's there's no sensation there. It's just the bag fills up, and you know you notice the weight on your stomach. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. And um, but and the first sort of couple of months after the surgery, I had to be really careful because if I did eat late at night, it would fill up and then pop off if it got too full. Oh God! I had some some real horror scenes with that. Oh, um, but quite quickly, and like if you look around, other people who have stoma bags you get some kind of sixth sense that knows when it's full and yeah. I always wake up when it's nearly full now. And then it, I think maybe I just roll on it and I'm a bit more yeah. aware of it. But, but I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, if nothing else, it literally is part of your body. So I, I guess, I guess your body will develop a sort of sense of like, right, actually. And as you said, once you get into a routine of it, it you just, yeah, it literally is part of you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm quite interested in, um in neuroscience and um i was reading this this book that was talking about rem sleep which is basically you know sleep goes in 90 minute cycles and deepest sleep is your happens yeah Yeah, is the rem sleep yeah and the the last two cycles of that so basically when you've been sleeping like six hours and about eight hours yeah is when you get the most benefit of that yeah. And that if you nap and say you slept for four hours twice in a day, it wouldn't be nearly as beneficial as having eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And sometimes kind of worry that because I'm always waking up, I'm kind of sleeping for four or five hours and then another two or three hours. Yeah. I wonder, you know, I'm not getting enough of that REM sleep, but I think I don't really notice it because I feel so much better than I did when I was ill. <laughs> so it's That's it. And, and ultimately, you know, you can, you can read into that, but you know, every single person's different. And I doubt the person who studied that we're, we're talking about people having to get up and empty a stoma bag as well. You yeah. know, you're, I know there's an awful lot of people that have stoma bags, but you're, you're still a relatively unique case. I imagine. Mm. Yeah. It's 0.1% of the population. I think. Really? Yeah. That's still, that's still a lot of people though, isn't it? Yeah, it is a lot of people. I, I mean, my, Parent, when I was really ill, I went back to my parents, um, recovering from the last surgery. Yeah. And um, their next door neighbour uh, had a had a colostomy bag, and um, so it was like I'd never met anyone with one, and then my parents' neighbour had had the same surgery as me, pretty much. No way. A few months before, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I genuinely, I think, I think it probably is a lot more common than you think. Um, mm. But I think you know, people, it's not necessarily something people like to talk about, is it? Yeah. You know, and I think there is a lot of stigma surrounding it. Yeah, no, when I was first sort of, like, I've got a girlfriend now, um, and we've been together quite a while, we live together now, but yeah. when I was first dating after the surgery, I was like on a first date with someone and it came up, um, and they were like, oh, my granddad's got one of those. Uh-huh. And it, every time I mentioned it, someone seemed to, like, they, they had some kind of knowledge of someone who had it, but yeah. um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's more common than you think. Yeah, for sure. But, but maybe it is something that's associated with, with old people rather than um, about to say, you know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, how, how old are you? I'm 24. 24. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's generally probably something that's associated with, yeah, guys, people, you know, 60, 70 and older. 
Well, um, yeah, it's, it's like colon cancer, really, isn't it? That yeah, is, exactly. So, I mean, um, you know, and again, feel free not to answer anything, but like, how, um, how did, you know, mentally and in terms of, you know, love life and you going out and finding a girl and stuff, when you got the bag, did you, did that make you feel more confident because you knew that you wouldn't have to run to the toilet or was it less confident because you're like, the minute I take my shirt off, they're going to be like, oh, what's that? How, um, you, were, you quite, were you quite upfront about it, like on a first date? So I am... Um... Basically, in terms of how I felt in the confidence with it, yeah. I remember it was a previous relationship broke down while I was really ill okay. uh, a couple of years ago. And, um, and I remember when that kind of ended and I was really ill, saying uh, uh, my friends, my family, and I'm really single again but with the stoma bag and being really gutted about that. Yeah. But... Um, Sorry, did I, did I freeze there? No, 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 I still got you. I think I got, yeah, I got the basics. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, and I just remember being like, I'm going to have to be single again, I'm going to start dating, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a bag of shit on my stomach. And <laughs> I'd read, some, yeah, and um, I'd read a, uh, an article when I was Googling stoma bags when I first had it, and stoma bags for men, because there seems to be a lot out there about women that are a lot very open about, experience there don't seem to be any guys willing to talk about it yeah and the only the only article i found talking about men young men's experience of stoma bags one of them said um packet of slap in between two bodies and another one said um oh like you can forget you can forget any like oral sex when you've got a bag of shit resting by your, by your business. <laughs> and that, like that, that didn't fill me with confidence. I was thinking, no, well, why does it smell? Why is it, why does it sound like a packet of crisps? What kind of like materials it made from? Yeah. And I think whoever published that, I can't even remember what paper or magazine it was. They must've just found the most extreme examples they could find and, and, and publish them yeah. because I've since met loads of, guys and girls with them and no one has ever said that they've had that experience yeah it, it doesn't smell at all when you've emptied it it literally sits flat against your stomach yeah and in terms of that like you know relationships it hasn't caused much of an issue at all and, and my my kind of logic was if someone has a problem with it then they're probably not someone who's worth spending any time with exactly um, that possibly the, the most mortifying thing that has happened with it yeah. is um, basically if you strain yourself too soon um, after the surgery, you're supposed to take it quite easy while your abdominal wall sort of heals. Yeah. Um, and even when you do do sort of like vigorous sport, weightlifting, whatever, further down the line, you're always supposed to wear a hernia belt. Right. And um, the, the risk is that the stoma sort of prolapses if you put too much pressure on the abdominal wall. So it, it, it basically kind of squeezes your small intestine out of your, your oh, abs. Oh my God. Um, and it hadn't happened to me, but they'd warned me that if I'd strain myself too soon, it would. Right. And, um, and then the, the first time my girlfriend ever actually came to mine, um, yeah. that happened. <laughs> and I was, I was absolutely mortified. Um, and, but to be honest, that was, that was a one-off like it had, it, and she was obviously really nice about it. Yeah. And, 
and you know it, it was something that we laugh about now yeah but it was it was pretty pretty horrendous and oh, the man. only other it's happened to me twice the only other time it happened was my first tennis match since the yeah. surgery and i because i'm supposed to wear this hernia belt right. it's like wearing well i mean i've never worn one but it's, it's i imagine it's what wearing a corset is like yeah and tennis is so much like twisting and rotating yeah, exactly yeah and it, it's not the kind of sport you'd want to wear a corset for no. and so i the few times i would played before that i'd always worn it but not really liked it and then i was playing a match and i was like right sod it i'm not gonna wear the the belt yeah and um i was at like full stretch for a shot like you know like i would have been if i didn't have the, the surgery and then i i looked down and where the stoma normally sticks maybe like an inch out of my stomach it was, like, it was hanging out about six inches oh uh, and it was all like big and red and yeah, it was it was grim oh, <laughs> and i do? had to yeah what did you do i had to i'd warned the opponents it was doubles match. Right. i'd warned the opponents before that um it might happen i had a stoma bag if it filled up i might have to go and empty it yeah and so i just said oh i need to go and empty my bag and i, I spent like when when it had happened on the that date um with my girlfriend it it had gone back in after like an hour right. and i was like i'm gonna have to pull out of the match if it takes an hour i can't keep them waiting for an hour yeah and i went and laid down in the clubhouse and um basically like took all the pressure off my my abs yeah and it kind of it's went back in after about five ten minutes yeah and so then went back carried on the match Say actually saved match point and won in the end. It was, it was a good I was match. About, I was about to say, did you win? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, it was it was a really good match. I wrote an article about it because the um, the the guy I played was was a real ass. He, oh, was uh, yeah, very, I think he thought the whole stoma thing was a tactical problem, and then it turned into a big argument. And, yeah, oh, you, he fun. thought you were trying to trying to get in the heads or something. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, he ended up literally every time he had a smash, just rifling it at my body as hard as he could. <laughs> and um, it almost turned into like a full blown fight between both teams. It was, it was quite entertaining. Yeah. What the fuck are you trying to do? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, before, we, before we hit record, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at you because you're having a sip of your Guinness. Like you said, you said the doctor would have prescribed you a Guinness if they could have done. Why? And you, and you mentioned on Instagram before that you can drink Guinness, but you don't really drink drink beer how how does that work with you drinking alcohol and stuff i mean can you can you do that can you eat unhealthy foods how or is it just like normal? um so i have to be careful with certain things basically the, the stoma is quite a small opening in my stomach right so you would need fiber in your diet to keep your large intestine healthy it, yeah um fibrous stuff doesn't doesn't break down yeah and it goes passes through your small intestine and kind of helps get get things moving in your large yeah. intestine and so if I were to eat stuff like sweet corn or nuts or a lot of greens, it wouldn't break down and I'd end up with a blockage. Right. And, and they can be really, like, really painful. Um, I've had a few where, like, after your surgery, they start you on a really low-fiber diet. So it's all, like, potato and bread and chicken and stuff. And, Good like, stuff. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's all nice. But, like, you have a very sort of beige plate of food. In yeah, 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 yeah. Kitty, kitty. Yeah, yeah, and um, and they um, like they're like, well, the way to find out what your stoma does and doesn't like is start adding a little bit of fiber into your diet, diet slowly. Right. And I had a mate living on my um sofa bed in the living room, and he was like, "Oh, cheers for like having me." I just cooked your meal, and he cooked fajitas, and I just didn't think about that. I've obviously eaten fajitas loads of times. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
and he put like chicken and peppers and all sorts in and then a few hours later i was literally on all fours in my bedroom just like groaning in agony oh. and um and it was uh when um when i'd next changed the bag the the, the peppers as i'd swallowed them basically oh, yeah okay. yeah he offered me a hundred quid to eat one and i, I didn't no way! I haven't done it. I haven't done it. Well, I don't know if I would have done it actually. <laughs> That's crazy. But you can... yeah. But um, but what's what's the deal? Because obviously, alcohol, you know, is well known to irritate people's stomachs and stuff. I mean, how how does that work? I mean, can you can you kind of can you go out on the out on the beers with your mates? And... Yeah, yeah. So the, the reason I said I don't really drink lager anymore is really carbonated things like beer, right. like cider. Um. Well, they make you gassy, don't they? Yeah. You, um, they make you gassy, and I, I can't fart. Yeah. Um, or, or if I do, it's coming into the, the stomach ah. bag. And it just, you know, if I was to down a beer, the bag would just go like... Yeah. And um, so, like, if I, you know, if I had a meal and I had a, a beer with it, drinking slowly like I am now, it probably would be okay. Yeah. But Guinness, like, you know, like being flat, it's not as gassy... Um, yeah. it's all right and i remember the um my uh like gastroenterology consultant uh, i was seeing at the, the hospital he um he did the colonoscopy on me on me once before i'd had the surgery yeah and he was like, oh, i bet you're dying to go and have some food now because you have to starve for like the day yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like oh well, i'm actually just dying for a drink because the the hospital the nurses on the ward wouldn't let me drink since this morning and i think i was last in so I hadn't had any water since like, the night before. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, no, you definitely should have been allowed to drink before the, the colonoscopy. Like, you, don't, you can't eat, but drink, drink would have been fine. I'd have let you have a, have a Guinness, if you like. <laughs> and um, and he, he explained to me that back in the day, you know, I think quite a way back, they used to actually prescribe Guinness as, um, you know, like a calorie, like calorific drink. Oh, to, to in, get your levels back up kind of thing. Yeah, kind of in the days before, I think, like, protein shakes and high-energy <laughs> drinks like that, they'd just be like, here's a Guinness. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, that, yeah, that's my go-to drink now. Nice. Well, I mean, you know, I, swear, I swear Guinness is... There's all sorts of stories about that with Guinness. It's some sort of, like, miracle tonic that heals, heals a lot of things. Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, dude, I, I, do, I just don't like it. I try it, and I have, like, a couple of sips, and I'm like, nah, it's not, it's not for me. It's too... It's too light. It's too thick. I think. I think it's an acquired taste. Yeah, I couldn't like when I was when I was like nineteen, twenty. I could have had tons of beers in the night, but I definitely couldn't have more than a few Guinness before I started feeling just bloated. Yeah, mate. It's same with with yeah. like craft with like craft beers as well. I find that as well. I can have like one, maybe two, and then I'm like, it's it's like eating a meal. It's there's so yeah. Much. It's like saying you know, do you want four meals in a row? Yeah, it's so they're so rich. They're yeah. so rich. Um, so, I mean, you know, on, I was looking at, again, you know, on your Instagram and stuff, and then I think, you know, you mentioned it and stuff. You're, you, you do a lot of writing and stuff. I mean, um, what's, talk, talk me through that. What sort, of, what sort of stuff do you do? I mean, is that like, is that extracurricular? I mean, you said you're, you te- do you say you're a science teacher? Yeah, yeah, my writing's not really anything to do with, with my teaching. Right. Um, basically, I... I've always liked writing. Before I went to uni, I was trying to just decide between something artsy or what I ended up doing was physics. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, very different routes, but I still had the interest in writing. And um, 
I kind of liked the idea of writing a book one day and I had, I had a good idea um, for a book set between the World Cup, Football World Cup in Brazil and the one set in Russia. Right. Um, and kind of a story of, I don't know if you heard, um, Putin put out a, an order to cull all the stray dogs in Russia. And there was this massive international outcry because he wanted to get rid of all the stray dogs to make Russia look nice before the World Cup. Right. And so there was this huge outcry saying, you know, you can't do this to our stray dogs. And I think they ended up setting up some kind of kennels instead. Right. Um, but they'd done the exact same thing in Brazil before the World Cup there. Every, every city that had, a, had a, um, a, a football stadium before the World Cup, they just got rid of all the stray dogs. They had people go out and, you know, like Terminator squads. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it was kind of, I imagined this Brazilian woman, um, probably a mum, setting up a petition online to stop the culling of stray dogs in, yeah. in Russia. And I just imagined that she'd seen it in Brazil, was horrified, and then it was Putin had to reverse his decision based on this Brazilian mum's, um, you know, GoFundMe petition. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I, I imagined the story, that was kind of the background for it. And then the mum ended up getting attacked and her son feels guilty because it was he, he kind of put her in danger and that's the where the, where the story starts from Great. but I, I i'd always had that idea I'd, I'd written like you know literally like half a chapter of it at, at uni yeah. and teaching you have quite you know quite good holidays and i'd always been like well if i'm i want to do something useful with the holidays i want to write my book and then i got ill yeah and i couldn't teach and um also with the steroids, I was awake about 22 hours a day. Oh my God. And, um, and so I just, that was how I filled the time. I'd be sat on the loo with my phone, right? Most, most of the book was, was typed on the loo on my phone. <laughs> and, um, um, and I sort of finished it and I went back to work and I really struggled to get, get the book noticed. I had friends and family and then a few friends of friends read it. Um, and I've had all really good feedback for it but then I've sent it to literary agents and I know absolutely no one in that industry mm. um, and small publishers and that kind of stuff. And I think you just end up in a big slush pile of unsolicited manuscripts that, you know, is quite hard to get noticed. Yeah. Well, it's just, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an industry, you know, it's, a, it's in the entertainment industry, I suppose. It's a bit like, you know, movies or music and stuff. There's just so many people out there and stuff, but yeah, I guess. Probably a bit of a lucky break. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like for you, you know, mentally and stuff, do you think that really, really helped while you were really ill and things kind of having this sort of escape and almost like a project to, to work well, on? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I wrote an article called um, Writing Got Me Through Surgery and It Can Help in Lockdown Now. Yeah. Uh, um, kind of talking about that. I just threw myself into this fictional world. Yeah. And all the things I couldn't do the characters in the book were doing um and so i, I, was, I was using stuff like in hospital sometimes i felt too rough to even write anything decent I, I knew if i did write my brain was a bit frazzled it was going to be crap yeah and um so i do stuff like right planning for the next chapter it's in manaus in the city in the amazon jungle yeah and i'd go on google earth and look at kind of like the different areas of where like where the character was going to go and get an idea for the like on street view of what he was seeing and yeah. then one if i had a day where i was feeling better try and write that oh sick and so kind of just if i was sat in a hospital bed it was in the middle of the summer um when i was having the surgery as well 
so uh-huh. you know all my mates were like going going out sitting in parks drinking or going to festivals going to watch Wimbledon and um all the things I wanted to be doing um I just imagined it and, and was writing it down instead yeah so you, yeah you kind of living living through your characters so to speak yeah yeah yeah. And he actually had some toilet problems as well in uh, in a few chapters. So yeah, you've got you've got you you know naturally I guess a bit of yourself is always going to end up in um, you know if you're doing something like that a bit of yourself is always going to end up on the page. Yeah, uh, but I think I think that that's something a lot of people are realizing. You know, especially like like you mentioned. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about lockdown later, but. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I think, you know, a lot of people now, have, you know, have, have taken on these little projects and stuff. And actually, you know, I saw a thing today of some woman who was, it was like an article, I didn't read it, but it was, oh, I was, I was terrified of furlough until I realized that my job didn't define me, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, she found obviously all these projects, you know, whether it's, you know, I, some, some of my friends, you know, I'm, I'm 29, so I'm at the age that a lot of my friends are kind of buying houses and stuff. So they're like, well, I, I built a decking or you know, I, I did this, I painted the stairs yeah. and stuff. So it's, but it little projects like that, that I think, especially when you don't necessarily have much else going on or whatever you've got going on, isn't that great? Having, mm. um, having this little project and this little escape, even if you spend one hour a day doing it, I think is so, so, so valuable for, you know, your, your mental health and your, you know, yeah. mental capacity. It gives you a bit of purpose, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. It makes you feel like you're here for a reason rather than, <laughs> Rather than just here to be in hospital and you know shitting yourself, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah no, absolutely. It must absolutely. have, been, well, must have yeah. been a great thing. So I mean, you know, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned tennis earlier. You just you just mentioned your mates going to Wimbledon. I mean, is is tennis kind of your your chosen sport? Is that we, did you do it before you were ill and things? Or uh, yeah, I, I took it very seriously when I was a kid. Like, as a junior, um. You know, was pro- sort of playing on like the tennis Europe circuit and awesome. like funded. And, you know, I was I was taking it really seriously as a junior, and then got injured. Didn't come from a wealthy family. Kind of thought not worth trying to do it without the funding. Right. And um, now now it's just a hobby. But um, I I run the school tennis program as well. So cool. That's, um, you know, it's like a way that I get to kind of relive all my my matches, but through my students' matches now. Nice. And was that <laughs> the, the, that? Was that a bit of a kick in, you know, was that, was that a bit shit for you when you were like, you know, were you a bit unsure for a while whether you'd be able to play again or how, how did you process that? Um, no, I'd, I'd seen with the stoma bag, um, you know, I'd like seen people be pretty active with it. Right. And so um, I knew that I would get back to it. Um, and um, one of the kind of the most frustrating things I've found is when the stoma bag is really active in the evenings and yeah. there's been a few times where um you know i've gone to play tennis in the evening and just not really been able to focus because it's causing me a bit of aggro and um and that's been when kind of the only time where i'm really like i wish i didn't have this bloody thing oh. is when i'm like there after like a long day of work this is supposed to be the hour or two where i'm really enjoying myself and it's yeah. getting in the way of it um but then there's ways around it, like um, just been playing before work instead of after because things are better in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I've got a match, always scheduling it for the middle of the day on the weekend rather than nice. a Tuesday night or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, like the writing was really a replacement for all my other hobbies. You know, yeah. I really am quite active normally and I just wasn't for two years. I was so ill that 
I couldn't do all the normal sporting things I like doing. Yeah. So I just threw myself into this new hobby and yeah, yeah ended up being writing. That's so, that's so great that you found that though, because I, I swear I, I say this in pretty much every podcast I do, but I think like we mentioned before I hit record that I've, you know, I've been windsurfing for nearly 10 years and stuff. So I've, I have that thing, that drive in me, you know, every day, if there's wind on the forecast, I'm like, my day is built around me going windsurfing. Okay. And I think yeah. so many people don't have that thing that they just love doing, you know, and it sounds like by the sounds of it, you've got, well, you've got two of them, you know, you've got one that keeps you active and things, but then you also in a pretty, you know, bad time of your life, you actually found something else. Um, that, that you obviously still, you know, you still love and you're really passionate about. I mean, you know, writing a book is no mean feat. Um, so, I mean, that's, and I think so many people just don't have that. They don't have that passion that they can lose themselves in for, you know, an hour or two a day. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I think, I mean, you need a bit of support to find your passions though. Like, yeah. uh, I think I see that with, with kids that I teach, the ones whose parents really support them well, they all have a passion or a few passions and they're, they're encouraged to do it and then people like kids that get left to their own devices a bit end up when they are a bit older being like well what am I good at I don't really like anything and it's harder to to get into something if you weren't encouraged when you're younger yeah and I mean even for me I'd written the book by the time I came out of hospital the second time last year and then I went back to work um I didn't actually have the bag at this stage I was in hospital having all the different medical treatments right and I sent the book. I was really excited. Wow. I've written a book. I'm back at work. I'm going to be an author. Um, and, um, and then I sent the book off to loads of agents and some competitions and stuff. And I just got a string of rejections. Yeah. And it was, it was really depressing. It was really like, you know, I thought this was the one good thing that came out of me being ill was me writing this book. Yeah. And then you just get it rejected by a bunch of agents and, you know, you, you enter these competitions where you spend ages f- making it fit all their formats and their rules. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like it'll be like, oh, this word limit. So you change the story entirely to make it fit their word limit. Oh, no, that's and just, yeah. And then you get uh, just a blank rejection and you're like, oh, well, that was pretty, a lot of effort t- turned into nothing. Yeah. And um, I mean, you, you said that ep- the, you're going to title this episode Talking Shit. Talking Shit. Um, I don't know if you've seen my um, my shit happens book. No, I haven't. Um, yeah, okay. So basically, before I, when I got ill again, when the you know the last course of meds I was on stopped working, and I knew I was going to have the the stoma surgery. Yeah. I um I was back staying with my parents because I was really ill again, and my mum was like, "Well, why don't you write about all the funny stuff that's happened to you yeah. in the time that you've been the time you've been ill?" And so. While I was in hospital that time, and then in my recovery from the, the surgery, I wrote. It was called. Well, it's kind of got two names. It's either "Shit Happens" or "Around the World in 80 Dumps a Day." <laughs> and um, and so I just wrote like a, I think it was seven chapters, and each one was a, a, a short story about something funny that had happened to me in the course of getting diagnosed or being ill. Yeah. yeah. And I was publishing them week by week, and I like sharing them on all social media and i had lots of friends reading it and being like i really love this for the next chapter yeah and um and i had a few of my closest friends i was a bit disappointed didn't didn't read it and um and they were like oh well you know i just don't really like reading i don't i listen to podcasts I, like i don't i don't read yeah. and um 
and so I turned it into I did the audio for each oh, of the sweet. chapters. I was say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then so all those those friends that didn't want to listen to it, they didn't really have an excuse uh, anymore. Yeah. And um, it's just it's been really interesting over the last year. I've had people who are like, you know, sort of like I was reasonably friendly with them at uni, but we weren't close. Yeah. Get in touch and be like, my nan absolutely loves your your podcast or like <laughs> my, my dad my dad was crying with laughter at the chapter where you shit yourself on the golf course and stuff like that and um and it's, it's really weird to hear who's read it and i've had like people get in touch with me who i went to school with and yeah. haven't spoken to for like six or seven years being like oh um i didn't realize you'd written a book as well can i can i read your book because i really liked shit happens have um, you, so have you said right just have you sent shit, you sent have you sent shit happens to any um any like agencies or anything because i mean i i'd imagine that that sounds like something that may you know resonate with an audience you know a lot yeah more. well you know i i have tried i have tried um yeah. i've sent it to a few agents not as many as i've sent my book yeah um and the ones that have got back to me have just been like um you know we enjoyed this but we don't think it's right for our list and i've had like positive feedback but it's always like this was very funny, but not quite right for our list at the moment. I think it's, I think um, it's one of those things that's maybe, you know, maybe a bit like, I wouldn't say controversial, but there's definitely still a stigma attached, isn't there? You know, and I yeah. think with, in this day and age, dude, you should do a, I mean, I'm going all Joe Rogan here. I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan. All he ever does is tell his mm. guests to start a podcast, but like, you should just, <laughs> you should just start, start something like that and just be like, you know, and you can you know talk to people about it because like I'm I'm sitting here I'm basically sitting here in awe of the fact that you're just talking about this because it's it's such a stigma. And like you said, what what's really interesting that you said as well is that you found loads of information about women who suffer with it, but not with men, which is really interesting because generally yeah. generally to me like guys talk about shit and stuff a lot more, don't they? But maybe maybe that's why because maybe it's almost embarrassing because you can't you know necessarily get involved with that banter as much yeah and that, well and i just think the like women tend to be more supportive of each other sure. i like i've been i've been on you know unsuccessful dates with people who but have still they've still been really nice about the stoma bag yeah um you actually you asked about it earlier when i was dating like how, how was it um, I had one date where it ended up just be becoming a biology lesson because they just had so many questions about the stoma bag. Just like, and, like this podcast, mate. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, and shit happens was quite useful after that because if I was going to meet someone, I'd be, like, I'd be like, have a look at my, my podcast and my audio book. Um, you know, before, like while we were chatting, you know, before we met up. And, yeah. um, and then they kind of know what they're getting into and wouldn't, wouldn't make a big deal of it on on the date and the the only people to be honest nearly everyone's been really nice about it um the only negative experience that i've had are actually with one or two blokes like i was in a bar um with some work friends and um a guy was just really like he's always given me the impression that he's just a bit disgusted by the idea of the stoma bag right um like we were sat at, having lunch at work one day and um one of my colleagues was like um oh like how's things with the stoma bag are there any things you can and can't eat like, i'd only been back at work a few weeks right and he was like uh, do you mind i'm trying to eat here yeah and um i was like i wasn't 
going to start talking about shit. She literally just said, is there th- things you can and can't eat? You know, it's like saying to someone, are you gluten-free? And him starting to get queasy over it. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and, and yeah, anyway, we're on this, this night out. And um, we, we were just like at the bar chatting to, um, like waiting for a drink, chatting to some random girls. And I think I said something that was like a bit of piss take about him, but like okay. really like friendly, nothing major. Yeah, started yeah. trying to lift up my shirt. And going, so these literally people we're talking to about 30 seconds and going, your shit's in the bag, shit's in the bag. Oh, what a twat. And I was just like, yeah, and, um, but the, probably I've only had a couple of experiences like that. Um, and it's always been guys, but you know, I think women are a little bit more likely to open up about it because they know that other women are, are better at being supportive than other men are. I think as well, like women, women generally have a lot more to deal with biologically throughout their life mm. than men do. So yeah, like, so they're, they're used to supporting each other with those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. You know, oh, I'm, I'm having, you know, it's my time of the month. Can you come and help me in the bathroom? And every girl's like, yeah, you know, girls are always helping each other like that. Whereas guys, that doesn't happen. So I guess, yeah. you know, it's not, I'm going to go for a pee. Can you come and hold it for me? You know, I, I, <laughs> speaking of that, not quite. Here we go. But, um, <laughs> But I was, I think pretty much the first time I was in a nightclub after the, after the surgery, yeah. there was in the men's, uh, it wasn't that busy. They only had like one floor open yeah. and the men's on that floor had urinals and one cubicle. Oh no. And the place was pretty busy, like for, for the one floor, there were yeah. lots of people going out of the toilet and the one cubicle, um, had a door that literally wouldn't shut. And, um, and I got one of my mates that I was with to come and basically stand at the door to make sure no one came in while I was emptying the bag. Yeah. Because, you know, on a night out drinking, it speeds up the rate at which the bag fills up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if I'm on a night out, I'll have to go, you know, maybe like three times um, and just empty the bag as quick as I can in, in club toilets. But the one advantage is you don't have to sit down. Um, yeah, you can true. sort of lean over the, you know, the bags on your front. You can lean forwards and... Yeah. You know, they empty it that way. That's but um, yeah, so we were, I guess we were a little bit like, you know, when women go to the toilets together there. Yeah, well, I, that's not, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty cool that your mates are doing that for it. Well, I mean, they, <laughs> wouldn't they? But that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, so how has, I mean, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to talk about this, this too much because frankly, I think everyone's a bit bored of it. But how have the last few months been for you then? I mean, have you, are you in a, have you have you had to shield? Are you are you in a one of those categories? How where where do you come in line for with the whole COVID? Uh, so I was I was on steroids uh, when lockdown started, um, or just before lockdown started, and I was kind of on the edge. I didn't get the text from the government saying you have to shield, right? Um, but my my boss was like, well, you're on according to these guidelines, you shouldn't be here, right? Um, because of the the meds I was on. So he sent me home. So I sort of started isolating before the lockdown started right but then i i finished that course of uh of of meds that i was on so i then kind of was no longer in the shielding category and i was just teaching remotely over yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I imagine your your girlfriend was doing the same thing with yeah. primary teaching i'm not i'm not sure i imagine with primary teaching is a lot harder but um but yeah was was just teaching remotely and not having to shield uh until a couple of weeks ago because I'm going in for surgery at the end of this week. I had to shield for two weeks before going into hospital. Okay. So have you, have you been, 
are you are you kind of back to school now then or are you are you basically off for the moment and then going back so so i i would have been back to school i would have been back to school as normal the school's back i mean it's got all the protections but it's back um but funnily enough the first day of term was the first day that i had to start shielding so (laughs) hey i was trying to do the maths in my head and i was like yeah no so i went for the inset day before term started and then and then i've been yeah basically it was like hello and and goodbye yeah um so they they have a teacher in for me for all of this term because i'll i'll be recovering like the surgery is another pretty major one so i'll be recovering for another couple of months what what, what's this surgery then so you've had your large intestine removed yeah um but they left so they left my rectum behind after the last surgery yeah because especially for guys removing your rectum is quite risky um, because of the prostate it goes, it goes near some nerves that are quite important if you uh you know they're quite important yeah um I know, and um and it's it's a reason it's, it's like a, not an insignificant chance that those nerves get damaged in the op my surgeon assured me he's never had any issues with it but i think the general risk factor is about one in ten wow um and this was a surgery that they said they hoped they could have delayed for 10 or 15 years until I'd um, until I'd maybe you know, had a family and had kids and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. It did go wrong. It wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. Um, but what's left behind still has the disease quite badly. Um, right. So they've, um, they've, they've got to remove it now um, and kind of the, the risk of, of removing it isn't as bad as leaving it and it becoming okay. cancerous. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you just leave the disease un, sort of yeah, untreated okay. yeah. for a long time, it, it does tend to become cancerous. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that has, I mean, I, the whole podcast about mental health, I know that recently has been, I would say the, the worst my mental health has been pretty much ever. Um, just because I felt like I just got back to my full life, you know, I was yeah. playing tennis, I was, Going on holiday, climbing mountains, teaching, doing you know writing, doing everything I love. Yeah, and and then being told you've got to go through it all again. And whereas last time the surgery felt like a relief because yeah. I was so ill and it was saving me, this time it feels like it's going to set me back loads. And I know I need to have it, but um, I've yeah, it's it's been quite rough recently. Um, like especially starting shielding again the first few days i was I, my girlfriend will tell you i wasn't good company for a few oh, days yeah it must yeah wait must like you said it it must just feel like you've got to the end of the road and now you've been thrown right back to the beginning again yeah uh, the, the word i use like when i when i'm pretty down is i'm like i just feel tired yeah. like like not physically but mentally the thought of going through it all again is right. um is just a bit knackering before it's even started yeah well, I mean, before you said this, I was going to say, how, how are you, you know, you're talking about all these really serious things, yet you seem really, you seem really nonchalant about it. You seem really chilled about it and stuff. I mean, is that, is it the same as, you know, like everyone, they have kind of good days and bad days? Are you, are you quite like that? Or generally, are you quite, you know, you seem very matter of fact about it. And you're like, this is the cards I've got. I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah, I think there's the, the tricky side of it is, you know, chatting to, a stranger as friendly as you are um you're never going to open up are you yeah uh, i'm i'm i'm, I'm going to come on and 
you put on a, that your public front. Of course. And when I go into work or I'm in front of the kids, I will be positive, happy, energetic. Yeah. And also, even when I see my friends, um, I think there's just that, you know, there's the at home side that you don't see. Yeah. Um, I mean, and whenever I say, I feel like I keep repeating this, but I, I wrote an article about this for the Suicide Prevention Day oh, when okay. you did your live last week. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was called um, The Side You Don't See, and it was about men's suicide rates. Yeah. And I think that often guys, when they are having a crap time, it will only it will be isolated to when they're at home alone or at home with their their wife or girlfriend or family and it's not it's almost like there's that sense of shame with displaying it publicly yeah and i'm you know a lot of my mates from uni would describe me as like you know really happy someone like is always joking and yeah and yeah especially with the um you know with the illness and the whole kind of point of shit happens is a bit like using humor as um as a defense mechanism yeah i was gonna say um when like really there's yeah there's, there's been times when i'm i'm pretty miserable and like not just happy with the cars that i'm dealt i'm like why have i got this i was healthy i was this i was that and uh, i remember being in hospital and they they've got a no smoking rule even in the outdoor area because yeah. it's only small and you don't want to go and sit there and be in a cloud of smoke and everyone ignores it there's just yeah. always people out there smoking and i remember i was like i would get the lift down there and because my stomach shut down after my surgery so i was on a like a nutritional feed straight to it went through my arm and like basically pumped the nutrition straight into my heart. Oh mate. And um, I was on that for a couple of weeks until my stomach kind of woke up. Uh-huh. And I remember going out to that smoking area with like my, you know, like the classic hospital person walking along with yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, little, yeah. little trolley thing with your, your yeah, fluids. fluids. Your IV, IV and, yeah. Yeah, well I had the IV drip and, and the, the enough, nutrition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just seeing these people there, like smoking and eating McDonald's, because the hospital I'm in, there's a McDonald's like right opposite it. And I'd be like, "How am I so ill?" <laughs> what, yeah. what, like, um, so I, I definitely don't always just accept it with, with a smile. Oh, dude, uh, I, get... everyone, you know, and I know it's it's very difficult and it's so different. But everyone, everyone has those things about them, don't they? Everyone, it's so easy to look at someone else and go, oh, "I wish I had what you had," you know, like. I'm sitting looking at you right now, like you have the most glorious head of hair I've ever seen. And look at me, <laughs> you know, um, you know, my, you know and you, so everyone, everyone has these things, you know, about them and stuff. And, you know, yeah, for sure. You, you know, your cards are, you know, potentially, you know, a lot worse than a lot of people, but you know, you're, you're still active. I mean, after you've had this surgery, you're still going to be able to, you, you'll eventually recover. You'll be able to play tennis again. You'll be, I mean, you can spend time on book two, can't you? Yeah, yeah, the book two is actually well underway already. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. exactly. You know, I'm, I think... I'm thinking of writing a, a follow-up to Shit Happens. Oh, uh, dude, you need to. I think this is yeah. sick. I want uh, after this, I want you to send me a link to. It. I want to. I want to read it. It sounds epic. Yeah. Well, or you can listen to it. It's up to you. Whatever you but, prefer. Yeah, wait, actually, I wait for listening to stuff as well. I completely, <laughs> I completely um, empathise with your with your best mates. Like I, I can't <laughs> read books now, and I'm like, why am I reading this when I could just put my headphones in and go for a walk and listen to it? Yeah. I, is, yeah. I do way prefer doing it. Um, but now, dude, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the, only, word, the only words I can use to describe you is a, an inspiration, mate. I think you're, the, the fact of how, how honest you are and regardless of whether you have, you know, good and bad days. And I think, you know, 
I'm not I'm not preaching to you or anything, but you know, try and I think I think generally men's men's especially mental health is getting to the point where people don't need to men don't need to feel like they need to hide inside and have their bad day by themselves. You know, yeah. I, after I started this podcast, my first episode, all I did was talk about myself and the amount of my friends that reached out and said, sometimes I have this and sometimes I have this. And yeah, now, yeah. now me and my best friends who've been friends for 10 years, we all talk a lot more honestly about what's in our brains than we used to. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I, I did that, but I think when one of you comes out into the light and says, sometimes this happens to me, it kind of creates a bit of a chain reaction and other people go, sometimes this happens to me, sometimes this happens to me. And it's, it's not a conversation we have every day, but you know, there's definitely a more open conversation about it now. And I think the more, the more that happens, the better. Um, but I mean, the fact that you're so open about, about what's going on and you know, what's going on under your t-shirt is, is incredible. Mate. I think it's epic. I think it's epic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to, to, to finish up then, um, I've got I just a couple of quick fire quick fire questions I like to do. Um, okay. Where where's your where's your happy place? I mean, if you could, you know, obviously we've all been stuck inside, but you know, you say you like to get out. Click your fingers now. Where where are you? Probably at the top of a mountain. Nice. You're you're a mountain climber. Yeah. It's something I got into when when I was recovering and I couldn't couldn't play tennis, couldn't play football for a while. Right. It's still like um, I don't know. It felt like there was a challenge to it and. I could walk quite soon after the op and um, I did the three peaks this year and um, it just, I'm looking forward to in my head when I can go, I want to go and walk Snowden with my brother. um, I've done it before and he hasn't done it. And um, I feel like that will be one of the first things I can do sports wise after this next op. So I see myself, if I could fast forward to there now, I would. That's awesome. Yeah, like I'm. So I, I'm from. Um, I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland. I'm, fr- I'm from Scotland, and it's funny. All the people my age, it's gone from like people being absolute, you know, boozers and going out drinking to now all everyone does is walk up hills in Scotland. Yeah. You know, I, I was up in Fort William a few weeks ago. Oh, you, did you go up? Um, you, have you been up Ben Nevis and stuff then? Yeah, I went up Ben Nevis. That was the last one that completed the the three peaks. Awesome. I went up it. I, I went up it when I was ten. <laughs> nice. It was mental. It was a pretty big effort when you're 10. Oh, yeah. We went up. It was me and my friend and our, our dads. It was quite fun. And we, I think we got, I'm not sure if we got to the top, but we got about three quarters of the way up and then the weather closed in and we literally couldn't see five feet in front of us. So we were like, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah, um, no, I couldn't see anything at any of the three peaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a bit it, I could have just done one and taken three pictures and people yeah, would believe yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, Time to stuff. I mean, maybe this doesn't apply to you because you you've been writing your book. But I am um, I'm a bit of a movie man. I watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV. Um, have you been? What have you been? What have you been watching? Hit me with some recommendations. Anything? Anything you're into? Do you do you like watching films? Uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really weirdly, I watched I Am Legend again the other day, and I remembered it. I'd I'd watched it about ten years ago, uh-huh. and got to the end. And it wasn't the end. I'd remembered most of the film as it was happening. And the ending was completely different to what I thought. And I Googled it. And it turns out there's two completely different yeah. endings for yeah. Iron Legend. Yeah, there yeah, is. I, I, my mind was blown. Yeah, because the, the original ending, he, he dies, doesn't he? And then, oops, spoiler alert. But he, um, <laughs> in the, the original ending, I think he died. But then Americans got really sad about it. So they changed it. And he... Yeah, I'm, I'm much further... The non-Disney ending. I yeah, think yeah exactly. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
oh mate, maybe maybe I'll give that a watch again. Because at the time that was a good movie, but I mean that's you know must be nearly. 15 years ago now that film yeah well I'm, I'm a proper teacher and i've actually got a projector right i don't have a tv in my flat i got a projector oh sick. and um and it so it's like a little mini cinema and it only costs yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really good for films is it the one have you is it did you get it off amazon is it like this big and then i've got one it's like this big and it's got a little tripod on it and you can no no this one's like a prop you know literally the ones you had hanging down from your ceiling at school <laughs> yeah 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 it, it's one of those it's a quite oh, nice. Epson or something, yeah. Cool, yeah, mate. The edges are good. It's good, good to get a bit of a cinema going. Um, and then, and then finally, I mean, you've, you know, you, I think you've, you've probably answered this for me, but you know, your favorite, favorite sport, favorite, favorite thing to keep active. Oh, definitely tennis. Got yeah. tennis. I was up until two watching the U.S. Open final. Um, now, what did you think about old Djokovic whacking a woman in the neck with a ball? That's pretty funny. I, I think it was funny that it happened to him. Yeah. Um, um, because you know he was such like dead on favourite to win that it made the tournament a bit interesting after yeah I bet yeah. yeah I watched um, I mean you, for sure you've watched this but there was an amazing Andy Murray documentary on Amazon Prime maybe oh, about the resurfacing one yeah that was that was such a good documentary wasn't it yeah he's, he's uh, I mean I think he's a hero I mean, I'm too. sure I'm sure I'm up in Scotland more of a hero than he is in England but whenever people Anyone says a bad word about him in England, I'm always defending him. Yeah, I've, I've got, I've got so much time. Everyone thinks he's a bit, a bit of a miserable bastard, but I think he's, yeah. he's just like a one-track mind, isn't he? He's just so dedicated. Yeah. I used to, when I was a kid, and I like was saying like, oh, he's my favourite player. I want to be like him when I'm older. I'd always do a, uh, like an impression of him. Right. Where um, I was like imagining he'd won Wimbledon and like Sue Barker. It's like Andy amazing, the first British champion of Wimbledon in seventy something years. Yeah. Oh. And he's like, Well, Sue, I'm absolutely ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> like pan faced. Yeah, it's like that Kevin Bridges. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, literally just I'm absolutely yeah. ecstatic. <laughs> nice. Um, so I mean, before we go, Jack, tell me where where can we find where can we find you on Instagram? Where can we find your your book? All that stuff. How how can I mean? I'll put links um, in all in all the posts I do about this anyway. But tell tell us where you can find it. Well, all my social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they're all J E Turley writing. J E Turley writing. J E Turley writing, and then um, I've also got the website J E Turley writing. Okay, and if cool. you go on .co.uk, and if you go on there. There's, uh, you can see the Shit Happens podcast uh, or the text version and you can find out about cows. I give you links to, I can send you like snippets of my books and yeah, you know, I just want more people to read them and talk about them and hopefully one day a literary agent will pick it up and think, I want to I wanna turn this into a book and a Netflix series and everything. I want them to be Ooh. as excited about it as yeah, I am. But, dream big, dream big. I yeah, want, I happened yet. It, well, dude, it will, it will for sure. Well, hopefully, I mean, you know, I don't quite have necessarily the reach of Joe Rogan yet, but um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, someone someone listening to this will um will take a look at it, um, and hopefully, yeah, some people some people read it. I know I, I definitely want to read shit happens, mate, because it sounds it sounds really funny. Yeah, uh, well, comment on the website what you think of it. Certainly will, mate. Certainly will. Um, all right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you, Jack, for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Remember, you can follow me on at the After Hours Lounge. Um, and if you head to at Sandy Clunas, my personal Instagram, 
uh, you can go to the link there and you can buy me a coffee if you are really enjoying it. Um, any Anything you put towards it, it really, really helps me devote more time to doing the podcast. Um, and please give um, at the After Hours Lounge a follow as well. Subscribe, like, share, all that stuff on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It all helps a lot. Um, thank you very much, guys, and see you for the next one.